Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Jonathan's back with you, the art of spiritual warfare. I think it's going to be 30 keys to prevail in every battle of life. And no matter what, we're ending it today. I think we only have two left. Joshua chapter 1 is where I'll start. Glad to have you on with me. Oh, you're coming this Sunday. That's great. Looking forward to being in the new building. I've not seen it yet. Nice to have you on. Nancy, Ninja Buddha, Tori. Wouldn't be a show without Ninja and Lyric. Marcy, hey, Marcy from Montreal. It's looking like, looking like things are getting brighter up in Canada. Leslie, uh, Jackie, great to have everybody on. I, I really am pleased to be with you today. Glad you've taken time out of your day to join me. You won't be sorry that you did. Joshua, the first chapter. I hope you've enjoyed this series. It's going to make a fantastic book. If it's finishing at 30 keys, then we can add the introduction to it and make it a 31-day devotional. I was thinking about that. Who knows? Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. I want you to write that down. You will be successful in everything you do. Following God's word leads to success, and success regardless of opposition. That wouldn't be the worst thing to write down. Following God's word leads to success regardless of opposition. Because he said nobody will be able to stand against you. So it wasn't like God said all this not knowing that you would have enemies. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. Prosperity and success is guaranteed to the person who follows the instruction of God's word. There are enemies, and that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about goofy spiritual warfare. We're not talking about waving banners and flags and making arm motions to pull down strongholds. We're talking about when God begins to prosper you and give you success, for whatever reason in this world, it motivates people who have never worked one day in their life to fulfill their own dreams. Many of them don't even have a dream. They're just dream killers. They go after you. They get some kind of joy off of seeing you limited. But God made provision for that. So when you're going through a battle like that, lawsuit, permit board, hostile city council to your business, I'm giving you 30 keys to prevail while you're going through that time and come out the other side, not only with the victory, but with your soul intact, your mind in, intact, your emotions intact. 
Because people, you can win a battle, but come out a shell of who you are. You know, if you take a natural war, there's people, they didn't die in battle, and their platoon won their objectives, but they came back scarred. So God not only has a way for you to win your battles, he has a way for you to do it and keep your joy and your peace and your righteousness. And that's what we've been covering, how to win the battle without losing your, your mind and your stability in the process. So we're on 29 now. I'm going to look up a scripture to go with number 29. This is an important key when you're going through these things. Luke 23. Let me take a little coffee. Let me selfishly take a little coffee. All right, I'm back. Luke 23, 1. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. False accusation. Hey, Pastor Stan, great to see you. And it's been great seeing you all this, uh, all this autumn, or spring, excuse me. I need to stop playing Biden videos. I'm starting to confu confuse things. Um, this man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming that he, the Messiah, is a king. He is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priest of the crowd and said, I don't find anything wrong with this man. Then they became insistent, but he's causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, he's Galilean, Pilate asked. When they said that he, he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Um, and you're going to notice that. My friend, Pastor Mike Childs, that's what happened to him during COVID. Uh, the, 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 whoever's in charge in Columbus, Georgia, called him up furious. You can't have church. I heard you're keeping your church open. Started making threats. And Pastor Mike told him, I'm not in your jurisdiction. Oh, and his mood, oh, that's good. So people don't actually want to be the one to drop the hammer on a righteous man. I read that because the, when, I, when I was going through a little something, the Lord gave me this scripture, and I'm going to make it key number 29. You can write it down. Confront your accusers. And by confront your accusers, I don't mean every, I want you to hear me on this. It's important. I don't mean somebody said something on Facebook about you. You go find where they are and let them have it. Or respond to them online even. I don't mean that. What I mean is, um, some people had told the city council where I'm at things about our church. I never do stuff like that. I've made a point to only preach. 
That's all I do. So, but the Lord gave me the scripture how Jesus stood before Pilate to go and let them see you. See, Pilate had had his mind filled with all these things about what Jesus was like. But when Jesus stood in front of him, it only took one verse. And Pilate said, there's nothing wrong with this guy. I've had criminals stand before me my whole life. This guy's no criminal. I can tell by looking at him. There was something Jesus gave off that dispelled the false accusations. Then, you know, they brought witnesses against Jesus. But they, they couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Where's that? It has to be probably, it's probably just a couple of verses later. Could not get testimonies. Mark 14, 56. How did Jesus handle controversy? How did Jesus handle people trying to take him down? Now, of course, his mission was to lay his life down. So it wasn't a failure in his mission to go to the cross. It would have been a failure of his mission to not go to the cross. But what it, if you've had people falsely accuse you legally so did Jesus. So you can learn a lot of things from the Bible beyond the standard things. Mark 14, 53. The subtitle is Jesus Before the Council. Now at the end of this program, I'm going to pray that anybody that's going through anything, that today's going to mark an end of that struggle and God's going to turn it for everybody today. Mark 14, 53. They took Jesus to the high priest's home where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they all contradicted each other. I'm going to tell you something that you probably already know. It's easy. No, this is key number 29, confront your accusers. And I'm going to tell you why. Something you already know. It's easy to hate somebody from afar. One of the reasons I went to go see the city council as the pastor of this church is if you've had people tell you nothing but negative things about me, it, if how somebody feels about you is shaped by what your accusers have said, it's easy to turn somebody into the devil. But did you ever notice? Have you ever had somebody fill your ear full of information that this person's rotten, they're terrible, I would avoid them if I were you, and then you meet them, and they're not that bad, and you think, oh, I think that other person might have the problem. This person's all right. So when you're a Christian, now if you're mumbling to yourself like Charles Manson when he was on trial, and you, and you have uh, like an upside-down cross tattooed on your forehead or something, then, then it could be problematic. But if you're a Christian, 
like a real Christian with the fruit of the Spirit. You have joy and peace and you're calm. You can learn a lot watching the, sh the program Judge Judy about how to act in those situations. Good morning in Salem, Morgan. Good morning, Doug Johnson, now relocated to Pittsburgh. Do you ever notice, if you watch Judge Judy, the guilty person can't stop talking? Your Honor, can I say something? You know, so if you carry a piece about you where you, you don't feel the need to defend yourself, are you the king of the Jews? Now, now I've said that I'm the king of the Jews, but I mean that like in a religious sense. I'm not trying to usurp your authority. No, you've said it. I don't see any fault with this guy. Tell the truth. Tell the truth peacefully. Tell the truth calmly. Maintain your peace. If you're not guilty and you have false accusers, or you're in a court setting where you're not guilty and somebody else is guilty and you need the judge to see that, the way the judge is going to see that is by you being at peace and not feeling the need to defend yourself. Let the other person run their mouth. Don't respond. Confront your accusers might be a terrible title because confront implies like when you get to your accusers, you start mouthing off. But what I mean is let, let your opposition see you. Let them be in the room with you. They'll feel your anointing if you're a real Christian without you ever mentioning that you're anointed or you, you won't have to say anything about it. They'll feel a difference in you. Pilate was no devout Jew. He wasn't a Jew at all. He didn't know anything about their religion or anything. That If you hear what he says, he thought the whole thing was stupid. Washed his hands of it. If you guys are intent on putting this guy to death, then take care of it yourselves. But I don't, I'm, I don't have anything to do with it. I don't find any fault with this man. If you let people see you and hear you and they see you're not a raving lunatic and you're kind and you have a kind authority that you carry, then all the people that were in that guy's ear or that lady's ear trying to make you the second coming of Adolf Hitler, they realize two things. A, there's nothing wrong with, with him or her. B, What's your problem? Because if you were trying to make this guy sound like the worst person who ever lived, and they're clearly not, then what's your agenda? Good morning, Hannah. And you, you can actually flip everything on your accusers without you really ever saying a word. But don't hide. Don't do it by email. I know everything we do now is by text and email. Sometimes being somewhere in person is a very good thing. Let people see you. Let people feel your presence. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't have a representative appear in his place. Jesus appeared at both of those places early on. You know what? I like that slingshot. It will change it from confront your, your accusers to expose your accusers.
expose them by appearing. How many of you besides me have ever had somebody fill your ear with a bunch of negative information about somebody and then when you meet them, they're not that bad? I'm going to tell you a side note on this thing since we're only covering two things today. You have people, this is just how life works. Remember when, um, like around 2015, when Pastor Rodney first started having me speak at his minister's conference and started to regularly have me speak? It was either him or someone there told me, you know, people have said, why do you have Jonathan speak? So look, you have people bad-mouthing me behind my back to somebody. That, that's life. There's people that just do that. The longer you stay out of view, the more people's negative words, and it, I'm not saying this negatively, though it's a very negative thing that I'm saying. People are constantly telling people who are connected to you bad things about you. Oh, I see you hang out with Jonathan. Do you know he does this? Do you know he said this? And you're not there to defend yourself. So then let's say another few weeks go by, another person meets him. Did you know Jonathan said this? Did you know Jonathan did this? And now somebody that liked you, even without trying, as the devil uses people to load bad information, is starting to kind of think, yeah, you know, maybe I do spend... Maybe I do watch his YouTube a little too much. Maybe I don't need to be watching him. It's important to stay connected and stay close to people that God has put you close to. I've been trying to go see Dr. Rodney about once a month. Because if Jesus tarries, the day will come where he'll be in heaven and I won't get to see him at all. That's a person God connected me with. There's another man God placed in my life this year that I went over his house last week. I never go over people's homes. I'm barely at my own home. And I went over his home just to stay connected. An old preacher told me about an old preacher that he knew. And he said, I'm getting on a plane this evening to go see brother so-and-so, another preacher. He said, is he having you preach? He said, no. He said, are you going to listen to him preach? He said, no. He said, then why are you flying there? And he said, just staying connected. That was his answer. I want you to write that down. Just staying connected. I've even felt, see, our new studio will be finished soon. The way things are set up right now, I don't see most of the media team. They used to be in the old studio when you watched. They were all just right behind the camera. So when I walked in, I saw everybody. I talked to them off air. Now I don't have contact with them. It's bad to not have contact with people. I'm not saying you got to take everybody out to lunch every day and ask everybody how they're doing every day. But if you're the leader and weeks go by and no one sees you, factions develop. Now there's somebody else that's the de facto commander since you're not, no one's hearing your voice. You know, if you're in a leadership position like me, if you're a pastor, 
or you run an evangelistic ministry. Your people need to be around you. If you notice, I've been having lunches everywhere I go to preach and inviting some people. You know why? There's no fundraiser there. There's no charts or graphs pre presented asking people if they would give. Wow, all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. Good to see you, Paolo. There's no point to it except to stay connected. Let people see you. I've been preaching in places I've never preached before all year long on purpose. I've been turning down meetings at places I've been and picking up meetings at places I haven't been. Why? So that I can connect with people. One of my, one of my motivations of going to preach in, in Oregon was no one in the Pacific Northwest has ever had a chance to be in one of my live meetings. It's one thing if somebody gets to hear me on YouTube with the screen in front of them. It's another thing to get to shake somebody's hand or lay my hand on their head and pray for them. Be in proximity. You need to do it with your spouse. Stay connected. I whisked a Dallas off to Arizona, spur of the moment, a few weeks back for four days, counting the travel days, to stay connected. We talked more in those four days than maybe we have all the years, all the years so far added together. Just me and her, four days, within five feet of each other for an entire four days. That doesn't happen. The more, the more you're not around, the more people hear, hear negative things about you and they kind of forget what you're like. There's a, hey, hey uh, Brother Rick in South Dakota. Good to see you. I was going to say San Diego, but you're in the other SD and it's very different. There's, there's someone in, in my life that I've told my wife, that guy is very easy to hate from afar. You hear things about him. He, his business dealings are slimy. But then when you're around him, he's very nice. Which most con artists are, but... I told her, I said, that guy's easy to hate from afar, but then when you're ready to, next time I see that guy, I'm going to punch him in the face. Then you meet him, and he's got a warm, disarming smile, and he kindly asks you about how Camila's doing and how's the ministry going. And all, all of a sudden, your fist turns into an open hand, and you put it in your pocket, and you think, well, maybe I was a little hard on that guy. Maybe people say uh, a lot of negative things about him that aren't true. It's easy to hate you from afar. I'm saying you. It's easy to hate you from afar. But then when you're in the room with someone, it knocks all those accusations and rumors that people have told about you. And a lot of times if someone has heard something and you don't even know anything about it, when they're in your presence, it'll come out. Do you know your brother told me 
that you did this. Is that true? Well, I did, but let me tell you why I did it. Oh, that makes sense. So I'm not, again, I'm not talking about you just on a constant tour to defend yourself. But people the Lord has connected you with, I'd stay connected with them. In fact, I want you to do something. And I'm going to do it too. I want you to write down seven people. Now, you know what? No, yeah, I'll do seven. Seven people that the Lord has connected you with that are alive. You know it's a divine connection. They brought, God brought them into your life personally. It could be, it could be family. Seven people the Lord has brought into your life. And I, and I want you to do something to connect with them. Now, you could have people like, like Dr. Rodney is to me, those type of people. In fact, I'm going to write down seven, and I'm going to send them something every month starting today. Because God uses people to open doors for you many times, and then people behind your back try to knock that person. They try to break that connection. Think about it. There's people actively trying to break connections that the Lord's made with you. So stay connected. Like if you're in sales... And you have a contract, and you, you got a great client. Then one day you call to renew the, the contract. Um, we've actually decided to go in another direction, and they speak real cold with you. Something happened. They won't tell you what. If you ask them, they won't. Oh, no, no it's not per personal at all. We just may, had to make some restructuring changes. They might even lie. <laughs> I had a pastor call me one time to come preach at his church back when I lived in Bangor. I really want to have you come in this Sunday and do a week of meetings. Our church could, could use it. And we got done talking. And um, as he was hanging up the phone, I could hear his wife in the background. I couldn't hear what she was saying, but it was like a stressed out voice. Who are you talking to? Like that kind of thing. He called back in under five minutes, less than five minutes. Hey, um... I'm not going to be able to have you come in and preach this Sunday. So who was it? It was the wife. I put Check the News on television. The owner of that network liked Check the News. His guy that did the transcription for closed captioning hated the language that was used. He... Now, it was on TV. There was no cursing. We had to beep it all out. But he, he got mad that he had to put, um, you know, he was like a real old religious guy. Didn't like heck. Didn't like crap. And he had to type it. So I found out later he was the one that was in the ear of the owner of that station and put division in that relationship. I should have done a better job staying connected.
So do a better job staying connected, you and me. Who are the seven? That seven people. Now, some people God's used in a big way. Some people God's used in a little way. Some are old connections. Some are new connections. But I want you to, let's take a minute and write seven people down. And then I want you to make a point to do something every month to stay connected with them. I want you to write this down as you're writing the seven. Connection not only keeps doors open, it opens new doors. I remember that, Missy. You said I met you in a grocery store in 2007 and then again in 2011. One time was a Sheets, right? We were both getting gasoline for our cars. It made, Max said, dude, I don't even have one person. Everybody I've ever befriended, Christian, oh, you said Christian or not, ended up betraying or gossiping about me. Because I was going to say it might not be a Christian. You know, if you have a good relationship with your boss, I'd keep that connection open. Even if, even if you're working a job that you're not planning on working for the rest of your life. You know, it's like a college job or whatever. And people are writing very nice things. Um, let's see, I got Rodney down. Give me a little, a few seconds to write, write some people down. People that helped you get off the ground. You know, one person that I'm, I'm writing is a new connection. They opened the door up for me to get on Daystar Television, which has been very big. Do you think everybody, you know, when you preach like I preach and talk like I talk, you don't only have positive calls come in, you have negative calls come in. I don't like how that guy said this, this, and this. So probably be good to stay connected. They'll remember why they felt to open the door up. And so much of Christianity is focused on who's against you and haters. It's good to go in the other direction. Instead of concentrating on who's against you, who has the Lord put in your life that's been a great blessing to you? Stay connected with them.
I'm going to tell you something on the side about connection. By the way, when I say to do something to honor them every week, I'm not saying you got to throw them a banquet. That might be weird. When I was 19 and worked at a call center, when I would go get a Dunkin' Donuts coffee for myself, I'd get one for my boss. I saw him drinking them. I looked at the little tab on the side for how he takes it, brought him one back and laid it on his desk. He came right to me. Did you get this from me? I said, yeah. He went, wow, thanks, man. I said, it's just a couple, back then I think a Dunkin' Donuts coffee was like $1.10, 90 cents maybe. I said, it was 90 cents, relax. He went, I've never had anybody get me anything the whole time I've been the boss here. Well, after he said that, I started, I worked, it was an inner city place. There'd be people, hey, uh, Jeff, can I borrow money for the bus? You know, people were always asking for things. You'd be surprised when you do something to honor somebody who's rich that they've never had anybody do that for them before. Because when somebody knows someone has money or what they perceive that they have money or they're in a position of power, they just look to take from them. So many times rich people have never had anybody take them out to dinner or buy them a coffee, ever. They have to pick up the tab everywhere they go. And if you get your mind working like that, then you don't become like certain Twitter accounts that all they do is focus on who your haters are and who exits your life. Don't focus on who your haters are and who's exiting your life. Focus on who God's brought into your life. So anyway, I told you, I was going to tell you a little bit about how, how staying connected opens new doors. There's a pastor that's been very good to me in my ministry. It was the first large church I think that I ever got to preach in. If it wasn't the first, it was one of the first and the first in a long time. Pastor Terry Drost in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well, he called me uh, just before April 2021, and he said, Jonathan, I'm having in Jesse Duplantis. I would love for you to come hear him speak because I feel like you two would get along. It would be, it would be a good connection. So I came up. Now, I'm going to tell you how to play things. Number one, I'm not going to meet a great man of God like that empty-handed. So I brought him an offering of honor. And that was it. Gave it to him, listened to him talk. I didn't say two words to him. Maybe two. He, he spoke at the service. He spoke after church. And that was it. I got a thank you note from his wife for that seed. Well, then he came back this year to that church. And Pastor Terry invited me again. Well, now, this time when we met up, he remembered me. How's the ministry going? And then we talked. And I gave him another seat of honor. And then... Pastor Terry told him about my new church, and he, he was very interested. He told me, he said, call me. I want to come preach at your church. Well, who knows whether they're just being nice or not. 
But at 8 in the morning, he had already called. I want to get dates set up to come preach at your church. So there's a saying that I've heard my Uncle Ted say, and I never really understood it till now. I want you to write this down under this point. The second time is spiritual. Many times when you meet somebody the first time, that's just going to be the meeting where the person has now met you before. But if they're really going to be in your life, there's going to be a second meeting, and that's going to be the one where the connection's made. And I feel like people mess things up because they try to shoot their whole shot the first meeting. Hello, Brother Jesse. My name is Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I've been in the ministry for 21 years, and uh, we've been preaching all over the world. Really, I've been over in over 24 countries, and we really like watching you on television. I, I'm also on television now. And all the person's thinking is, can't wait till I don't have to see this person anymore. Because you just vomit out your newsletter. There's a minister I know. One time when I met him, because I got so sick of it, he's an evangelist. I said, why don't you just um, read me your newsletter? Hey, Jonathan, good to see you. I just did, uh, just finished Crusades um, all through New England, and we're getting ready to go overseas to preach a crew. Okay, great. Did I ask to, to hear your newsletter? I was just saying hello. I mean, I understand selling yourself and all that, but freaking take it easy. Anybody ever met anybody like that? When I met Bishop David Oyedepo the first time, I gave him a, a check for his birthday. I, and he was, he was surprised. He said, you know me? You know when my birthday is? Because I said, yeah. I said, I've been listening to you a lot, and I want to say thank you for all you've done. Thank you. And then he went in the back room. That was it. That was in New York, uh, New York City. Then, when he came back to America to preach a year or two later... He, that's when he pointed down at me and had me come see him. And then when I went to um, Lagos, oh, I've seen you in America. How's your ministry going? Give your number to my personal assistant. I'd like to stay in touch with you. So if it's somebody the Lord's bringing in your life, you don't have to try to, <laughs> when you meet them, you don't have to treat it like you're closing a sale. Treat it like you'll see him again. Then the second time, they remember you. I've had that happen with me. I've had young people. I've had non-young people. Come drive a long way to hear me preach. Wow, you drove that far. I appreciate it. And then a few months later, there they are again. Well, now you stand out to me. Second time spiritual. It's also been a big help to me. Um, I guess I'll just throw this in for free. It's been a great help to me growing up in a preacher's home. Because one reason, Pastor Rodney likes having me around, Pastor Jesse likes having me around, I know how to act around a preacher after they finish preaching. They've just, 
When you finish preaching, you've just spent an hour and a half, two hours giving it your all. You've said everything you have to say. When preachers get done preaching, they want to chill. So it's not a time to bombard them. I don't ask for prayer. They just prayed for everybody as hard as they could. You know what I'll do? I'm coming and sit. If they invite me in, I'll come in and sit down and wave and sit whenever they're ready to talk. And if they don't want to talk, who cares? Just chill. Be relaxing to be around. I don't come in. Pastor Rodney, great job tonight. We have a crusade coming up in... Um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's probably going to cost about $200,000. I don't even, I don't know where we're going to get the money, but I'm just trusting God. If you could trust God with, yeah, yeah, I'll trust God with you. You don't want to hear any needs right then. You just gave everything you had. So I'll make them laugh or I'll be quiet. Now, what that has to do with confront and expose your accusers, I have no idea, but that's where the road went. And last, number 30. And I'm making this last for a reason, very important. Don't make life-changing decisions in the storm. Don't make life-changing decisions in the storm. When you're going through a hard time, that's not the time to plan the future. Don't make life-changing decisions in the storm. I'm going to read you something. If you know who I'm talking about, keep it out of the comments. Because I'm not looking... To be, to be negative about this person or anything. And I'm leaving their name out of it. This is from a minister. Hey friends, I'd love to take a few minutes to share about some happenings going on in our world. As many of you know, I've been on a sabbatical since December. Taking this sabbatical was the result of my wife asking, leaving the name out, asking me to simply take a break, not because of any hidden sin or moral scandal or issues of that nature, but because I needed a true break to rest and heal. You see, in August of last year, I had my first ever therapy appointment. I know I'm a little late to the therapy game. In that first session, some serious trauma from my childhood came to the surface for the first time in my adult life. This discovery led to a flood of emotions and need for healing. So when my wife encouraged me to take a break, she didn't have to do much convincing. I needed a break to process all that had been revealed about my past and how that impacted my future. 
the result of this inner work and rest has been extremely fruitful, and I feel I've come out the other side much healthier and farther along on my journey of healing and wholeness. During that time off, I also did a lot of praying, searching, wrestling, and dreaming about the next season. Ultimately, I tried to discern how to best steward the platform and influence God has given me. When I recently returned from the sabbatical, it became apparent that the overseer of our church and I had different visions for the future of the church and for my role in that vision. That said, my wife and I have decided to transition out of our role as senior pastor of this church, allowing the overseer to step back in and allowing me, my wife, and kids to step into a new season, a season that is both exciting and unknown. We love this church with all our hearts and are praying God's best for the church and for the beautiful people that call this church your home. Your best days are ahead. Although I am still discerning all of what God has next for me, here's what I do know. God has given me a platform to make his name known, and that story is just beginning in my life. For now, I'm going to be serving some churches that are near and dear to my heart through preaching and teaching. Sorry for the choppy reading. I want to make sure I don't accidentally read anything that, that gives it away. Although it's the end of one chapter, I'm excited to see what he's going to do as I turn the page into a new chapter. He has given me a new vision and message, and I'm excited to share it with the world in the days to come. I've developed, listen to this now, I've developed newfound respect of being trauma-informed and being spirit-filled. I believe that many people can identify with my story, and I hope they find encouragement with it. With that being said, I ask that you pray for me and my family that he would give us further clarity to the vision and message buried deep in our hearts. And then it tells you where you can keep up to date with him. Now, if you read the man's posts since then, It's all about therapy and being trauma-informed, whatever that means. What did he do? He made a life-altering decision when he was going through a hard time. It's a huge mistake. I'll tell you another thing, and off the cuff. Sabbaticals are a huge mistake. I've never seen any minister come back from a sabbatical stronger, and I've never seen their ministry be stronger after they return from the sabbatical. You take eight months off from your ministry, it's going to be hurting. Decided to take a sabbatical. It's not an old man. It's somebody around my age. And then during the sabbatical, when you're not ministering, you're not preaching, I would fear. I would fear to take eight months off of preaching. You, I don't know how. I almost feel like something has to be wrong 
now I'm starting to get strong and make enemies for no reason, but I feel like something has to be wrong for somebody to take a sabbatical. I can't, I can't imagine if you're anointed to be able to shut up for eight months. Pastor Rodney makes me laugh because he used to take a three-week vacation, right? By, by the 14th day of that vacation, he might as well have been off vacation. He was on Twitter lighting people up, doing lives from his phone, lighting people up, lighting things up that are going on in the nation. He was preaching in his phone, couldn't stop. Preachers can't stop preaching any more than roosters can stop crowing, or whatever the sound is they make. Cock-a-doodle doing. Can't do it. And Sam against rest. You didn't see me yesterday, did you? I took a took a Saturday on a Thursday. Till nighttime. I'll take a week and a half vacation with my wife. I took a 17-day one last year. I'm not against vacation. I'm not going to these sabbaticals. Our youth group had over 50 in attendance last night, which isn't bad for a six-month-old church. And a bunch of the kids are coming from another church in the area. And one of their youth leaders texted one of our youth leaders, are you trying to take our students? Well, their youth group is shut down for the whole summer because the youth leaders want, want a vacation from youth ministry. What do you think is going to happen? We're not trying to take them. You abandoned the sheep, and the sheep found another pasture. Hey, River Amsterdam, can't wait to see you guys soon. Never make life-altering decisions when you're going through a battle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up in a couple of minutes. I want to tell you one more thing what I'm talking about. I'll give you some points underneath this point, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and pray. Davey said, afternoon, brother. Glad to see you're doing well. Hope to see you in my state, Pennsylvania. I'm in your state. You can come see me any Sunday at 10 a.m. No hope required. Never make a decision, a life-altering decision when you're going through a battle. Now let me explain what I mean. I preached a young adults thing. I think it was Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Finished Saturday night. I was preaching in Toronto, Canada at 10 the next morning. I had to drive. The, the, the retreat was nowhere near an airport, so I had to drive to the Newark airport. I got on a 6 a.m. flight, still wearing my clothes that I preached in, flew to Toronto, cleared customs, rented a car, and checked into my hotel at 8.15 a.m. for a 10 a.m. service. I was exhausted. Not tired. Exhausted. I laid down at 8.30 
and set my alarm for 9.10. And let me tell you something. When that alarm went off, I didn't feel like preaching. I didn't feel like living. At that moment when my alarm went off, after 40 minutes of sleep, when I felt like I could have slept for about 10 hours, everybody could have gone to hell for all I cared. I wanted to go back to bed. I got myself out of bed, got in the shower, and I started thinking to myself, heavy, I can't keep this travel schedule up. And that's when I felt the Lord speak to me. This is not a time to make a decision about the future of your ministry. Number one, there's no night service. So you don't have to, you're not up for the day. You have to push for two and a half more hours and you can go right back to sleep. You can sleep for two days if you want because there's not another service till Monday night. So relax. I was about to make a decision to cut back my travel schedule because I was exhausted. So I'm going to give you a couple rules. Number one, never make a decision when you're tired. Number two, never make a decision when you're sad. Number three, Never make a decision when you're angry. Number four, never make a decision when you're hungry. So some of you will never be able to make a decision. But I learned a lot having a daughter. What's she so cranky for? She hasn't slept. What's she so cranky for? She's just hungry. And you know what? People don't change much from being eight months old. There's hungry them and there's normal them. There's tired them and there's normal them. There's tired you and there's normal you. There's normal you and there's hungry you. There's normal you and there's angry you. There's normal you and there's need some sleep you. So don't start contemplating life decisions when you need a nap. When something's made you angry. One of the best things you could ever do is learn to recognize when you're in a bad mood. Camila makes me laugh because she'll say that. I'll, I'll, I'll look in the rearview mirror. I mean, very rarely. The kid's always like bounding with joy. I'll look. What's wrong, Camila? Nothing's wrong. I'm just in a bad mood. She'll say that. That's good you can recognize that. Years ago, I had two major blow-ups at my staff, back when I only had three or four people on staff, a long time ago. And Magalas pointed something out to me. Did you notice the last two times you blew up at everybody? was the day you got back from flying back from India or Africa. Yeah, I was on a plane for 20 hours, and I didn't recognize back then in my early 30s. I thought I was fine, but I wasn't fine. I needed to chill. 
people react to everybody's different, you know, but for me, if I'm tired like that, what would happen is something that normally would just need corrected. I went from a level one to a level 10 like this. How come that's not set up the way I said? That's bad. You can't blow up at your staff and keep them around. Do it here and there sparingly if it's deserved and even then sparingly. If you recognize you're in a bad mood, get away from people. And don't make any decisions. Now, I'm going to add to that. Not only should you never make an important a decision when you're tired, sad, angry, or hungry. I'm going to add something to that. Don't think about important things when you're tired. Don't even think. Don't allow your mind don't think about your marriage when you're tired. Don't think about your boss when you're hungry. How much, I don't know how much longer I can be at that company. Did the Lord call you there? Did he open the door for you to be at that company? Don't start making plans to leave and become trauma-informed. Now, you watch that. If, if that guy doesn't turn things around, he's going to end up out of the ministry. He's going to be one, uh, another former preacher. Then I realized that preaching wasn't doing anything for a large community of people who had suffered childhood trauma. So now I, I, I just, I do counsel. They're gonna, he's going to do some kind of ministry for trauma, childhood trauma people. He's going to stop preaching. He's going to miss the will of God for his life. He won't be in the ministry. I know the track he's on. It's a bad track. One time I came to go visit my Uncle Ted when I was in my early 20s. He had just finished a week of revival meetings. When I came to his house, I thought he'd be praying in tongues, watching Christian TV. He was laying down under a blanket watching the Three Stooges. I said, why are you watching the Three Stooges? He said, because it's funny. Makes me laugh. There's sometimes you need, you need that. You need like, see, I can have an eight-month sabbatical in two hours. If you know what you're, if you know how to relax, and I'm an expert, somebody should give me an honorary PhD in relaxing. When you're tired, it's not time to think about your future. Put the three stooges on. Go to sleep. Put, put a golf tournament on, which has an anointing on it, to put anybody to sleep. Just that, like, white noise with the mics turned up so they can hear the whack of the ball puts you out. Don't think about important things when you're tired. Don't think about important things when you're sad. Don't think about important things when you're angry. Don't think about important things when you're hungry. You'll make bad decisions. Or at the least, you'll allow your mind to be troubled. Is this helping anybody? When you're going through a difficult time, when you're going through a battle, get through that battle, but don't allow it to affect your future. 
Because the devil will work with something, and I don't know if I've covered this in past points. I'll, I'll end with this. I want you to write these words down. Two words, body blows. B-O-D-Y space B-L-O-W-S. When you box, you rarely knock somebody out with a body shot. You can, but it's rare. Body blows affect the conditioning of your opponent. They, they affect yeah, their conditioning, their breathing, their stamina, their ability to punch hard. So Satan doesn't only try to gain an advantage through knockout punches. One niggling thing after another. Where you might get through this battle at 41 years old, and then at 44, and at 48, and you, you win every time. But if you don't do it right, you've taken body blows. Now you're tired. I don't... You know what? Let's just keep the church at about 1,200. I, I, I don't feel like going through what, what's necessary to go through to go from 1,200 to 4,000. I don't feel like going through what you have to do to go from 4,000 to 10,000. I'm tired. I'm 58. And you've allowed body blows to affect your conditioning, and you're not able to run your full race. You're quitting at mile marker 21 instead of when God has five more miles that are going to outperform the first 21 miles of the marathon. Life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You can win every battle, and you can keep your soul intact and your strength intact if you do it right. Don't ever make, make life-changing decisions at the altar. Make it when the anointing's on you. Make it in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Don't make it when you're upset. Don't make it when you're being attacked. You know what? That's why I don't trust anybody. You're making a decision when you're angry. One person, one person betrayed your trust. Now you're not going to trust anybody anymore. You're not going to hire anybody for your ministry. The whole ministry is going to be you, your wife, and your, uh, your son. And no one else is allowed in because one person broke your trust. It's a bad move. Can't expand. Make decisions in the anointing. Don't make decisions when you're going through a battle. Father, thank you for victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, everybody that's going through a battle, your business, your ministry, personally, I declare an end to that struggle today in Jesus' name. I command the tide to turn for you. And just like it was like the waves were coming in against you, now they start receding. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again. Divine turnaround today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, give you an invitation to do something in the financial realm. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake when you return to me in the tithe and the offering. One of the secrets of spiritual warfare, and we covered it, is in the seed. Because part of the covenant of seed sowing is not just that God blesses you. It's that he cuts the hand off of the devourer from coming after what you have. 
which is what lawsuits are about and all that. They want a piece of what you have. I normally don't mix Check the News t-shirts with the morning broadcast, but our new shirt is so great. It was my idea. Brennan designed it. I want you to see the 4th of July one, and I want to get this in your hand for 4th of July. This is going to be special. I'm putting this out as a challenge. Anyone that sews $200 or more. Now, if you sew 100 or more, or sorry, if you sew any size, I'm going to send you my new book, my two new books. You don't have to put it up on the screen. They see it. Everything a man should be. And seven wrong relationships. These are my two newest books. I'm going to send those to everyone who sews. But if you do 200 or more, Along with that, I'm going to send you this 4th of July shirt. Close up? I mean, that's a beauty. And that's a special thank you. Aloha and Kauai. Love you and your whole family. So the books are for anyone who sews. The shirt is a special for the 4th of July. And I think you'll have it in time for the 4th of July if you give today. That'd be so great to wear. You'd have people laughing. I mean, even, even the 26% of people that still support our president, they'd at least have to find that a little funny. Here's the ways you can give. Easiest way, right at the top. Wow, Pastor Mike, $2,500. I'm blown away. Obviously, I'll send you the shirt, the books, and see what else I have that I haven't sent you yet. Um, hashtag donate on Facebook. Easiest way is right at the top, revivaltoday.com. Click give now. That has everything in one spot. You can text RT to 50155. I agree, Jebediah. Cash app, dollar sign, RT Give. Venmo, at RT Give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. Cryptocurrency? Hey, same to you, Janice. Whenever you have Lyft in your crypto account. Thanks, Melissa. 200, responding to the challenge. We've got two crusades coming up, along with everything else we're doing, and I appreciate your seeds very much right now. Oh, we can get shirts in 3X, Jonathan. If you don't have triple extra large T-shirts, you can't even have a business in America, I don't think. How are you going to operate in this country? Uh, if you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Don't forget after you're done giving to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com slash claim my offer. That ensures that we have your address to and, and that we know what gift to send you. Um, if you. If all that's too confusing and you want to talk to somebody, 412-446-2332. Before we call it a day and, and transition to afternoon prayer, what was your favorite... Um, point of all 30 points which was your favorite 
I, I'm curious. No, I mean for the whole series. <laughs> you got it, Missy. You got to send me a picture. Kevin, that shirt's like made for him. That is a great shirt, I'm telling you. You got to bring that to the next. Hey, David, in England. I hope my government gets with the program. I want to meet you. Hey, Corinne. Yeah, a lot of people are writing the don't make decisions when you're tired thing. I've never seen anybody's life go up if they make a decision when they're beaten down. You never hear anybody say, you know, we were really tired, so we decided to um, start a second church that's bigger than the first one. No, it's always backwards. You know, we just decided to take some time off and realize that our, our first ministry is our devotional life. And then, you know, so you get going in the wrong direction. All right, I'll look it up, David. I love you, Pastor Mike. Thanks, Mark. It was great, great uh, spending some time with you this year. Gina said her favorite point was if you're going to make mistakes, make them being aggressive. I like, that might have been, it's, it's a good rule to have. I see you, Chad. Chad and Anita. All right. I'll see you for afternoon prayer. Um, don't forget, there's a few things I need to promote. I was about to pop off, but real quick, pop them up for me. Graphics. This Sunday, new location, the Montour Junction Sports Complex, largest indoor arena in the United States with no center support or something like that. A beauty to behold. 40 days of glory. 40 days of breakthroughs and turnarounds. June 21st to July 31st. Kicking off with Brother Jesse Duplantis. June 21st at 7 p.m. There's the address. Seniors breakfast. If you're 62 or older and you like me or you like breakfast or you like both. Tomorrow, 11 a.m. Saturday. You can register at rtcregister.com. That's our first seniors meeting. Uh, yes, Duplantis. I already mentioned that. Keep going. Summer Revival Retreat. If you're a youth or young adult, July 4th through the 8th, come join me in Oklahoma. Travel. Travel a long way. It's worth it. Bring your youth group. Bring your young adult group. You can register at FCR, sorry, FCRuston.com right there. Bible uh, Nebraska, coming right up. Keep going. Louisville, Kentucky. Where else? Revival Today Bible Institute. I want to add, because I've been saying if you're 18 to 35 and feel the call of God on your life, I also want to add if you're a minister, 
and you've stagnated. Your ministry's not going, your meetings are small. Your offerings are small. You know you're called, you're pursuing the ministry, but you've not gone to Bible school. You've not been trained. It wouldn't be the worst idea to enroll for two years and then go back out on the field. RevivalTodayBibleInstitute.com. There's space for you for this September. Apply today. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.